Oh yeah, uh, Joe and Trace. Uh, I live uh, down the road from a fire station, so the siren might go off. <laughs> oh, so does here. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's the a, benefits it's not, of noise reduction, right? You can get rid <laughs> yeah. of some of that. It's not the apocalypse happening, it's just the fire station. <laughs> You're not oh, on God. fire. You're just near a fire. Yeah, Yep. I'm close to a fire. <laughs> Uh, we're used to sirens all the time. Just muting them, noise reduction, always fun in post-production. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. I am Spencer, and with me is Joel. This is the Halloween episode, I guess. I don't know. It's a horror movie. This will be October at some point. Um, yeah, so... With us, uh, oh Joel, say hi. Hello. Okay. Why With us are tr- one movie for Halloween? <laughs> Let's. We might have another. Spread it out. We might have another one. It depends on availability, but. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so uh, I asked the uh, the guys from Horror Queers to come on, and uh, here they are. Hello! Hello. <laughs> really happy to be here discussing Vampure. Oh my god. Are you really going to pronounce it that way? That, okay, so <laughs> I, I literally watched the 30-minute featurette that came... I'm sorry, not, not featurette. Video essay that came with my Blu-ray of this, and they said Vampure. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it sounds like it's some dorks. I don't, I don't know if we should agree with them. I think it's probably <laughs> German. <laughs> Oh, okay. oh the Germans. Germans. Blame the Germans, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, 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 for pronouncing it the way they pronounce it. But anyway, yeah. hi, everyone. Hi. So uh, first off, thank, uh, thank you for uh, coming on. And also, of the list I gave you, I had some French extreme movies that you guys haven't covered yet. I had, uh, I don't know, like some other random stuff. And you picked this 1932 classic. So, um... What, what what was the uh, reasoning behind this? <laughs> Joe. Well, <laughs> one of the things that we like to use the podcast for is almost like a bit of homework. So if we haven't seen a film, we'll often use the podcast as an excuse or an opportunity to cover something off of our list. And in this case, we both owned this movie and neither one of us had watched it. So we thought, you know what? We're probably not going to get to this movie anytime in the future on our own podcast. So let's use a guest spot to cross it off. (laughs) And I also it's just like, you know, this is like what the third like major vampire movie ever released after Nosferatu and Dracula. So it's like I feel like it's like mandatory viewing. So we should have seen this. And I'm glad we finally were able to cross this off our list. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to be uh, uh, nitpicky, but I guess technically, uh, fuck was it called something after midnight the movie that doesn't yeah kind of counts but that doesn't it, exist anymore it's london after midnight That's and it. it's it's debatable because the 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 vampire in question is actually like someone wearing a mask so it's not really uh, a vampire but you could count it yes i mean if you wanted to nitpick yeah Oh, that's interesting. So, so they didn't hire an actual vampire until they didn't ask for it. <laughs> they couldn't afford him. Too pricey. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, J Dog, have you seen this before? Yes, I had Spencer, and the reason why is because I used to do this 
thing when I originally started getting into movies and Hulu had the Criterion channel, I, I was like, well, I know there's famous movies to watch or consider, but I think what I'm just going to do is like go through the films alphabetically, not not literally, you know, all of A, all of B. I did one from A, one from B, you know, and then started over again. So V, not very much to choose from. That's why I ended up watching Vamp- Vampire. <laughs> I really like that 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 method though because I've been collecting like Criterion horror blues and I. I'm like, I don't know what I start. I guess I'll just go alphabetically too. So I think I'm going to steal your method for your madness. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I recommend that. And also, uh, I, I'm crazy. I, I'll do like a random number generator. And I've got like lists with all my unwatched movies or mm-hmm. things. And it's like, oh, this is organized by what's currently available on Amazon Prime. So if I, you know, do this <laughs> genre and this blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, anyways, I get crazy uh, with it. No, I, I had a list of like, okay, these are all the movies that I want to buy from Criterion. So I would go to a, uh, like a randomizer online. Because I was like, I don't have a preference on which movies I want to buy next. So I would just go have the randomizer pick the next movie for me. Nice, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's a good way to do it as well. Because so often like we're almost inundated with too much choice. So, so often I find myself paralyzed by like, Oh, what do I feel like watching? Ooh, I've got a thousand choices. So just being able to say, Oh, well tonight is a D night or, you know, I roll the die and it comes up on blank. Okay. I guess I'm going to watch that. Like, it's not about what do you feel like? It's just saying, Hey, you're going to watch this tonight. Take it as it is. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It also cuts through expectations because, you you could struggle with like well this movie is great but oh I always want to watch this one and just like going back and forth and forth and through other ones mm-hmm. but if you're just doing it randomly it's like oh I did hear this was great and this is the one I picked so you know watch it whatever from that point you know if it turns out to be terrible that's your fault but at least it was random <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay, so I, I should say uh, this was my first time seeing it this was just one of those I have to get it over at some point and mm-hmm. uh uh, spoiler alert, I like it a lot. Oh, good. Yeah, I wasn't sure where that was going to go, Spencer. I'm not going to lie. Uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I I had to watch this twice because it, it's very much like a, I mean, you know, we're watching a movie that's 90 years old. And so, you know, when someone says, oh, my God, it's so scary. It's so creepy. It's so whatever. And you're like, okay, but like, you know, you have to transport your brain back into the time period, right? Like, okay, what was this like in 1932 for people to see? Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about this, but no one liked it in the 1932. <laughs> <laughs> what a bunch of dicks those 30s audiences were. It just shows that horror fan. I'm sorry, horror, the cr- critics have never, ever, ever given horror the time of day. It's always, oh, 50 years later. Oh, yeah, now it's good. That's oh, so God. weird. Could yeah. you imagine the reviews, though? Like, I'm just imagining it'd be... This man made the passion of Joan of Arc, and now he's making some sleazy, trashy genre <laughs> flick. Okay. Like. okay, I thought the same thing, y'all. But apparently, the passion of Joan of Arc wasn't even well received when it came out. And again, oh, motherfuckers, like years... then they can yeah. just all go fuck themselves. <laughs> no, I, I get what they're what's happening is like a, because I I've had trouble going through the passion of Joan of Arc myself because I personally cannot make eye can- contact you know it's an anxiety thing for me so an entire uh, movie where the woman is gazing you know not ne- necessarily directly at the viewer but like in the camera way it's like right. mm-hmm. okay this is I, I feel like I'm on the moon and it's my <laughs> first day at school and I'm not wearing 
space pants. Oh my god, you know, like so. Maybe yeah. that's was the same experience. Hmm. Probably yeah, not. Maybe. But also, John Mark <laughs> had John Mark had a bunch of censorship issues, which is why it turned out the way it turned out. Because uh, I think it was like France was like, uh, this is too anti-religious. Probably, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Some shit. Like I mean. That. This one's kind of similar, though. I mean, it wasn't like, like there were censorship issues, like with the end, specifically with uh, the doctor's death and with the actual staking. But apparently, the, after the premiere of this film in Germany, like the reaction was so bad that the director like went and cut scenes out of the movie right after the premiere. Yeah, and then had a mental breakdown. Yeah, <laughs> to which I'm just like, yeah. Jesus Christ! Nobody should be going to the asylum for their art. It's Ugh. not a good look. It was like the trolls of 1932, but they were just in person. Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer, his career is fascinating because uh, in the 20s he worked regularly and then after Vampire it was basically like a, a movie a decade or every, a movie per decade basically mm. uh, one of those yeah uh, who is the contemporary director that's doing it? I feel like I was just thinking about this person. Terrence Malick? Like doing one movie like every 10 years? Oh, never yeah. mind. He's passed away since. George, George Romero was kind of doing that with his like uh, oh, yeah. of, of the dead films. But uh, mm-hmm. that's, he's been dead for quite a while now. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the oh, dead movies is set off an island, uh, island off the coast of Delaware. It doesn't exist. I think it's. I'm pretty sure Island of the Dead is the one set off the coast. Apparently, but it has Irish people, so who the fuck knows? I haven't seen it. You're saying <laughs> the movie doesn't exist? I'm saying that the <laughs> island off of Delaware doesn't exist. Wait a minute. You can only watch that movie on this island. Okay. I'm, yes. I'm sorry, I'm confused. No, you're saying that it takes place on a fake island off of... Uh, yes. Okay, okay. Because there are like Irish people there. It's like, well, Continue it's with the film talk. Okay, fine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of who, what other directors are kind of like a once a decade thing. For a while there, it was looking like Quentin Tarantino might fall into that pattern. See, I was thinking Paul Schrader, but then I was like, I just looked at his filmography, and he's done like six, five <laughs> movies in the 2010s, so that doesn't yeah. count. I, you know, they, they go through bursts for the most part. Like, yeah. I feel like uh, Terrence Malick used to take a very long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, recently, he's been kind of throwing one out every two or three years now. And then, like, unexpectedly, James Cameron. <laughs> oh, God. But I, I'm not sure 10 years is, is enough time. Pretty soon, it's going to be 15 to 20 years in between, and he'll find a way to be immortal, and then, you know, whatever. <laughs> he's going to be like, Avatar 2 finally comes out in the year 2027. And then he's like, okay, Avatar 3, it's made, but 2037. Yeah. <laughs> He'll find a way. The technology is so much better now than it was uh, four years ago or whatever. And yet the funny thing is, is we talk shit about James Cameron, and yet every movie he releases does gangbusters at the box office. So like, well, That's because I he's see doing something right. myself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right, right? Like, we can make fun of him all we want, but, like, he does craft good, I mean... He, at least visually stunning movies, even if you don't care for the narrative, which, I mean, I like mm. Avatar. I, I don't have a desire to rewatch it, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's it's a, he's kind of... Yeah. It's kind <laughs> of like Carl Theodore Dreyer, an artist <laughs> of their time, right? That, that is true. Yeah. And, uh... So... Ha- Vamp- Vampires is Terminator 2. Is that where we're going? No? No. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the way that this film is shot is pretty fucking astounding for 1932. Yeah, like, uh, uh, Joel, you might remember on the Jean Cocteau episode, like, there are parts where uh, where we were talking, like, how did how did he do these simple effects that look incredible? And this movie is the same thing as like, how the fuck did he make shadows move on their own? And then like, like the shadow stuff isn't, is insane. I don't, I don't understand how, how it's possible. Rewatching it today. Like my husband didn't watch this with me. Um, and I was like, when we got to the the shower, the shadow bit (laughs) early on, I was like, please come in here and just watch this. And bear in mind, this is 1930 fucking too. Like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So. like if we saw this nowadays, I think it'd be very easy for contemporary audiences to just kind of hand wave away like, oh, wow, you know, we, we see this kind of stuff all the time. And then you realize not only did they not have computers, but like it, a lot of this editing and special effects stuff is done in camera and mm-hmm. it's like a trickery through lighting. And you're just like, like it's a whole different style of filmmaking and so, so impressive. And it does kind of like the phrase movie magic, right? Like looking at this, you're like, oh my God, like that's movie magic. And I do feel like that phrase is kind of dulled today. And not to be like a CGI hater who's like, oh, it's all green screens and CGI. Like whatever, you can make stuff look good with that. But it, I feel like there's less um, in it, innovativeness. In it, is that a word? Innovativeness? Innovation. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Inno- inno- yes, there you go. Innovation. Uh, today, because it's, I mean, unless you're James Cameron, I guess. Because, yeah, it's right. just like, you, you, you look at something and you're like, okay, like, yeah, I can see how they did that. That's why practical always goes better. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, fuck, what was I going to say? I can't. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, so, uh, Joe and Trace, do you guys want to quickly synopsize what Vampire is in case someone listening has not seen it? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah, what so I will start off, and then if anybody yeah. wants to jump in, let me know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can like go sentence to sentence, Joe. We'll see if we can do this. That'll be a fun game. Oh my god, let's not and say we did. <laughs> okay so this is the story of alan gray he's kind of like a nondescript generic white dude who just like arrives in a french town and he Um, but he's obsessed with the occult he's purposefully studying the cult he's like oh my god i love satan and i love the supernatural let me go to this town (laughs) really that's the read that you have on him oh my god i love satan yay satan So he arrives in this sleepy town, which has a a history that we'll learn later for vampire attacks. And he ends up being awoken in the middle of the night by an old man who says like, hey, I'm going to leave you this note that says open in the event that I die. And he's very (laughs) But also, I'm going to die tonight. Also, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have not long to live. Here's a note. You'll need this later. Complete and total stranger. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the idea that people are just constantly walking into each other's houses and invading <laughs> each other's spaces throughout this movie. Like, nobody knocks. Nobody announces themselves. Well, it's like in the 70s and people were like, oh, you, you, in, you used to just leave your doors unlocked. And mm-hmm. in the 30s, it was, oh, you just were able to go into people's houses, <laughs> even if you didn't know who they were. Yeah. Oh, you left your castle unlocked. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he, he ends up discovering that this man is 
I think a widower. We never really meet the wife, so I assume she's just dead. And he's got two daughters. One of them has been infected by a vampire bite. He's also got a book, which is the the thing that he leaves Alan in the event of his death, which happens, as you said, Trace, (laughs) immediately he is shot. And and this book will figure prominently for most of this film. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it had to wait until after he died? Yeah, like, <laughs> he's a bit of a drama queen that way, isn't he? Like, oh, I'm going to introduce mystery into this. Don't you think it, it would have saved his life, possibly? Like, if he had been like, hey, stranger, um, I know you're into the occult, but listen, um, there's vampire vampires here, and I got a book on them, but also let me tell you all about them first. No, 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 instead we're just going to have the audience read about 50 pages of this book during the movie. <laughs> Maybe he was worried that if Alan knew the truth beforehand, he might also be killed. Oh, yeah. Man, Speculation. I, I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of here. There you go. So, yes, this man has a younger daughter who has been infected. She spends almost the entire movie in her bed because she's under the throes of the vampire. And then he also has a comely older daughter that Alan makes a connection with, and they set out to try to figure out you know who the vampire is and there's a nefarious doctor at play and they they end up deducing by reading this book that all they have to do is find the vampire and stake it with an iron is it iron metal yeah iron stake and while this is going on the weird doctor has a plan to kill the younger daughter before Mm -hmm. they can kill the vampire and that pretty much takes up like the last half of the movie is just this runaround Mm -hmm. yeah uh so they end up finding the vampire partially through alan having almost a prophetic dream which is gorgeous and makes no sense at all but it's totally evocative i'm so glad you said that (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what is happening right now? I was, I was watching I this. Love I was like, what the but... fuck is going on? <laughs> so they deal with the vampire, and then they basically got the doctor as the villain for, like, the end climax, and he is um, asphyxiated in a flour mill by the servant, the, the man who works for the man who was shot earlier on, who sort of figures prominently, but doesn't even have a name, I don't think. I, I, yes, yes to all of that. And it's something, right? Like the titular vampire is killed, um, not given much screen time, by the way. (laughs) She's just dead in her coffin. Um, But then, yeah, like the actual like hooray climax is killing the doctor. Yeah, and it's not even our hero who does it because he's in a boat with the chick who presumably he's going to go off and bang and maybe marry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, he's, oh, your sister's good? Okay, cool. Let's go off in this canoe, and we'll play in the field together before we fuck. Mm-hmm. I think they, the doctor got the worst death because they probably felt oh my betrayed God. by him, you know, for uh, that misusing yes. their trust. That okay. death, I mean, it is horrific. Like It's fantastic, I can't even... though. Oh, it's great. I just, like, I, I've never seen anything like it, and it's horrifying. I was worried about that actor. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're not faking that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just like, can you, like, just, like, hopefully you have big lips, but just, like, press your lips through that grate as far as you can to breathe through your mouth. Oh, my God. What is yeah. he, a Looney Tunes character? I, you know what? Make it happen. Tina <laughs> Hyena. Yeah, I, never, I didn't even consider a safety aspect of that kill, though, but, yeah, that, 
Hmm. I genuinely hope he wasn't injured, but is 32, <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was nothing in the Wikipedia page that said that the actor was dead as a result of an accident on set, so we can presume that he made it out alive. <laughs> Yeah. It's the only movie ever made, and oh my so god, we'll, we'll never oh my really god, know. okay, I take it all back. <laughs> this dude unless died, it, unless it actually is Groucho Marx in disguise, Joe. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I spent the entire movie being like, "Is that Groucho Marx? What does it remind me of?" And I realize it's the villain from Terror Train, but I realize that that's just a Groucho Marx mask. Mm. Yeah, but Groucho Marx would have been uh, like twenty-seven when this movie came out, so you never know. That's true. Hmm. So, uh, Joel, I thought this was a silent film. So, I was, uh, so <laughs> my first thought was, oh, this will fulfill our silent film quota for the season. And then it started oh, speaking uh, German and French. I was like, oh, never mind. It just well, it's one of the, you know it's one of those movies where they made a silent uh, language version or a silent version and a uh, German and French language versions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At least ba- based on that opening text there. So. Uh, I couldn't remember if it had dialogue from the first time I saw it, which is funny. But yeah, yeah. I, I I like the dialogue. I like I like the sparse use that they they end up doing. I yeah. will tell y'all, I because the Criterion comes with like the regular German version and then the English text version, and I was like, all right, I'll watch the original one, whatever. Like I can read subtitles. Um, little do you re- did I realize that when you start getting like the the, the cards, mm-hmm. the text fills the screen. <laughs> Oh, oops. <laughs> so, so you're reading. The, there are English subtitles, but they're they're white text overlaid over white German text. Right. So I was like, oh, I can't do this. So I had to mm. switch to the English text version, which Criterion like filmed specifically for the film and like doctored it to look like it was like you know a 1932 film. Oh, ah, that's, that's nice. Cool. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I watched a kind of bootleg dvd version from blockbuster back in the day and it had not been touched up and i was definitely jealous of your criterion experience trace because i was like this film is gorgeous and yet it's very messed up without some kind of restoration like this was very clearly a 1930s print but even with the restoration, I mean, there are still scenes that are out of focus. I mean, and some of it's because of the way he filmed it, but it's just like, it, I, I don't think a film from here, unless, again, unless you're look, looking at Universal Monster movies, uh, is going to be like this pristine thing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's but, fair. Yeah. So, uh, Joel, does this, count, does this fulfill the silent film quota for a season or no? I mean, unless, you, unless there is a French New Wave or Italian era within the time period, I don't want us to yeah. like have to... I know. fall back any farther you know yeah. we mess with the time space-time continuum like we already have who knows what the results are going to be yeah. so because uh, we also have the richard gear quota we have to fill but that's the breathless remake <laughs> from the 80s uh, yeah and don't yeah. you wish you could just have those two overlap like that silent richard gear <laughs> film <laughs> oh yeah that that'd be perfect because watch chicago without the sound on hey chicago is a good movie come on Okay. Wait. The 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 movie musical. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's better than the stage play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, that stage play is so boring. Yeah. It's not good. (laughs) For some context, uh, for some reason, every season organically we we, uh, find a silent film in a Richard Gere 
mm-hmm. Richard Gere film to fit the schedule. So, uh, nice. <laughs> I love that for you too. Yeah, that's good. I, I would definitely consider this a silent film because there's such yeah. sparse use of dialogue. And yeah. I don't know about you folks, but like when they were speaking, I could barely hear them. So I was really like, oh, I'm just listening to the orchestra and reading the subtitles. Wait, did you have subtitles for their dialogue? Oh, oh was it dubbed in English? No, like it, it, you know, they would speak for like 30 seconds yeah. and then I would get, you know, hello. And yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. The, no, the, the, the I, one I'm inclined the to agree. Criterion Channel is the sound is fine as far as I could tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a, like I I know some German. Like I could pick up some of the German. Some of it was the audio. At least to me, didn't seem mixed that well. But probably a print is not the best condition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go back in time and complain to the audio mixer. so just ignore the people booing the content i really want to talk about this audio mix i just don't think it's up to (laughs) snow but but Uh, i'm inclined to agree though right because yeah i feel like even the dialogue that is said in the film isn't really like consequential to anything right like if anything any of any important dialogue that we get is done in in the in the title cards or in the little space card things Mm -hmm. from the boat Yeah. yeah Yeah, and this it's, this this definitely is that uh, that era of um, when they're trying to figure out how to do sound, and it's uh, I don't say clunky, but it's ex- experimental and kind of fun the way they use sound, and it's like uh, I, 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 like I just like the use of sound in this time period because there's still like that silent structure to everything, but there's this like this mm-hmm. interesting use of like how the fuck do we put sound in here, and they sort of so it's like always kind of different every time you like I see a new one. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <End of thought. clears throat> All right. Um what's the next? What? Uh, what I was going to say something, you know, I can't. I mean, uh, okay, so German movie, German expressionism. I don't, yeah. I don't do do either. Does anybody know much about German expressionism? Um, I mean, honestly, my, my only exposure to it really is Caligari, um, which I've seen. Although I would argue, I would argue Batman Returns is also uh, germ- modern German expressionism. But oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, did y'all get a lot of that in this movie, though? I, I mean, I feel like the shadow play, right? Know, just, just uh, by itself, it would uh, qualify in, in my brain. But I'm not, you know, I'm not really a film history buff or <laughs> genre buff or you know, stuff. I'm definitely not either. But I do, you are right. Yeah, the shadow play. Well, I guess when I think of German expressionism, I think of like like the sets, like like the really angular buildings and stuff. Oh yeah, um, yeah. on mm-hmm. top of the shadows. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, this to me felt a lot more evocative of the kinds of films that they were making just in the 20s. Like, and I think that's why it is fascinating as a bit of an experimental sound project, because Mm -hmm. the way that it's filmed with the kind of like halo lighting and like almost iris, not quite iris edges, but um, 
just the very soft focus and the kind of dreamlike imagery to me lends itself very clearly to I mean I know a lot of people say oh this is kind of from the school of Un chien en and I'm like yeah okay I mean I don't I don't know what you just said it's a film that Salvador Dali cash. made. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's famous for the lady getting her eyeballs sliced. Oh, there you go. But that movie is like way more experimental and weird. Like this, yeah, this yeah. to me is just kind of like a bit of a, a period romance with some I, really great dreamlike imagery. Well, that's what yeah. I was going to say. I mean, so I know three of us, this is the first time watch for us. Um, but for y'all, was this at all like the plot y'all were? I mean, I know the general plot, you know, vampire goes after young woman. Um, but like overall, this isn't really what I expected it to be. And I don't really know what I expected. I guess I expected something more along the lines of, oh, it's like a German. Well, it was it a German Nosferatu? But I guess Nosferatu I was going to say, I thought it was going to be like Nosferatu. So when it was like, yeah. oh, it's just pretty people in castles like yeah. this is almost <laughs> genre adjacent like yeah like a drama with horror elements and i mean again not to get nitpicky on that shit but mm-hmm. it very much so right yeah, yeah. but that's me it feels like it like feels like a like a, a like a nightmare like alan he enters this new town and it's mm. like silent hill and it's like all this weird shit keeps happening and keeps you know mm. weird people so like i took like yeah uh, yeah I was actually worried that the movie was going to end with him waking up and the whole thing from him going to bed and the old man coming into his room was actually going to be one long dream sequence and like I mean, there was nothing weird actually going on. I'm glad that we're talking like this dream logic. It's funny, Joe, because we just covered a movie too that also has dream logic and it, it. There were so many points in this movie where I was like, wait, what? Did I miss something? Like, <laughs> what's happening right now? And I'm just going to chalk that up to dream logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's also not like the bullshit excuse I mean, dream I, logic. I wasn't thinking of... No. But it's not like the bullshit excuse or dream logic. This yeah. is like legitimately, like, uh, like it, you can tell it's it's structured to feel like uh, misty and dreamy, and like you just kind of fade mm-hmm. in and out mm-hmm. of uh, the story. Well, like Alan, the uh, uh, the the surrogate, like fades in and out of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Once once he gets out of the hotel, it, it's basically a straightforward plot. Like I think right. the events of the hotel are like weird and mysterious because you don't know what what's going on. And and before I had seen it, I actually remember somebody telling me, "Oh, it doesn't really have much to do with vampires." And now that I've seen it, I'm like, "What the what the hell are you talking about? It's a movie <laughs> about a vampire." It, it's just like, the vampire uh, isn't on screen. Like that that's the thing. Like it, the vampire's presence is felt throughout. The whole film. It's an old lady. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what we were talking about when we started. Uh, we were talking about the we... lack of vampirism. Yes, yes, and it's the old lady. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, old lady. Probably need to go bed early. That's why she couldn't be in the movie the whole time. <laughs> um, they they I... actually didn't even wake her up to kill her at the end. They just moved her into a coffin and put her underground. You know, yeah, I, I, she does enough just, like, appearing in room and somehow having control over the people that she's in the room with. Mm-hmm. And that, like, uh, at least on the, the second time watching it... Sorry. <clears throat> at least on the second time watching it, I, I felt her presence way more uh, than I think I did the first time. Because she... 
you just realize she doesn't interact with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like she, mm. she, when she's in a room, not even I, it feels like she almost doesn't even see the doctor when he's there to you know serve her or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's like, interesting. Uh, yeah, because I I I definitely know that Trace and I were messaging back and forth and, and <laughs> just kind of saying. Mm. I, wishing that there was a little bit more of a vampiric presence in this because we really ended up feeling like the doctor was the one who was conducting all the nefarious activities right like we see him constantly sneaking in and out of people's rooms like here take this poison here i'm sneaking her out of this room and ushering alan out of another door mm-hmm. huh, yeah and like her design looks like the yeah i mean I... Oh. her design looked like the witch from no, no, go ahead, go ahead. uh movie is it uh snow white at least to me like i got it it felt like the snow white uh witch a little bit like the uh, disney original one yes disney one yeah <laughs> i mean it's entirely i mean that, that, would, that would have come out five years after this but it's entirely possible that the animators at disney use this as inspiration you mean as the hag Yes. Yeah, like that. Yeah, not not the pretty queen. What once she's old hag? <laughs> okay, uh, not the queen we would make out with. Okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, but yeah, because I mean, even Joe and I, we, we were debating. We were like, um, like, because I I actually wasn't even sure that, that the doctor was being controlled by the vampire. Because I was like, well, I thought he was honestly going and giving her poison as like a mercy killing. Because why would the vampire want to kill? her victim but then joe rightfully brought up that that there's a whole portion of the book text that's like oh like (laughs) they want to like make sure their victims die so they can go be pawns of satan or whatever but then i was like yeah but didn't didn't the book say that they drive their victims to suicide so it wouldn't be the doctor but i guess if the doctor gives her poison then she drinks the poison and she is killing herself i don't know (laughs) that was my train of thought she was saying that I wish I would die at, at you know points like that. I, I think that's that's as much as we get into that that area, right? Uh, from the from the book. Well, but and I, worth I remembering book... that it's 1932, right? Like I don't I don't think we would have been into a censorship era, and obviously this is a foreign film, so they wouldn't been at the mercy of right. the Hayes Code, but. Um, they may have had restrictions about, you know, like, oh, well, we can't encourage or condone, be seen to condone uh, people dying by suicide. So we need to have, like, a doctor place a bottle with a skull and crossbones near her bed. and Yeah. Yeah. I wonder when the skull and crossbones thing came into, like, actual play. I mean, is that, that, that based on an actual poison label that was used or <laughs> did was that you know silent film or stage plays like oh like shorthand. bottle of poison <laughs> it feels very looney tunesy right like maybe it was like part of like cartoon i mean i don't not looney tunes but like just yeah like very much like okay there's the poison <laughs> yeah doesn't it have its genesis in something to do with like pirate culture because that was one of the flags oh, yeah. that people would fly if they were gonna board you oh, and kill you and pillage you yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just a general sign for danger. Yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> here comes death, either in <laughs> ship form, uh, bottle form. Poison form. <laughs> well, I liked how every, uh, what, one of those rooms that, uh, in this movie, um, I can't remember if it was the, maybe where the doctor uh, uh, and the vampire lady were hanging out or whatever. 
<laughs> like every shelf and part of the wall had a different kind of like skeleton or skull oh, or things yeah. like that. <laughs> Speaking of skulls, like that a weird like baby-sized skeleton thing. Like that is Creep City. Thank you for uh, showing that to me. Oh yeah, there's a lot of imagery in here that's really really chilling that I think unfortunately will be lost on like, like you know this isn't a movie that I would just show a random person. <laughs> I would, I would show this is someone who like really wants to learn about like the history of cinema or horror cinema specifically. But yeah, there's a lot of really creepy imagery that I, I do think that like shown to like a quote unquote average person, it would be lost on them. They'd be like, okay, yeah, it's it's I think underwhelming to contemporary audiences because we're too used to spectacle. But I yeah. think in terms of like production and set design this is really generating a mood and i like the kind of creepy nonsense of yeah like let let's just throw as many skulls and like weird shit onto <laughs> these counters as we can cool oh wow we're really good <laughs> well yeah and one, uh, one of the things i like spencer uh, i think you're lagging <laughs> oh really sorry it's okay okay uh, one of the things i like about this movie what really like is that uh Alan is basically Jonathan Harker, but if he actually did something, because Harker is routinely the um, uh, the most boring part of every Dracula adaptation. And here, the like the Harker uh, uh, analog is actually active and does stuff, and uh, it's, it's just like because this is kind of like very Dracula-ish, except um, uh, well, because it's I feel like it's drifting off of a uh, thirty-one Dracula, but like. But, like, what if it's more interesting with this? At least to me, that's how how I felt. Like, a more interesting version of the Lugosi Dracula. No, I I totally agree with that, yeah. If, if, at at least when it comes to that that character archetype, if he's the the Harker or a little bit of the Van Helsing, because there's not really one of those in this movie either. Uh, It, It does avoid a lot of those trappings of, like, your typical vampire trope. I mean... I guess for the time, even, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would almost say that the caretaker is the closest that we get to a Van Helsing character because he's always along for the ride. And then, of course, he gets the big moment of agency at the end. But um, yeah, I, I definitely can see the comparison to Jonathan within Alan, uh, particularly because he also gets a love story. Right. <laughs> That caretaker reads the book very quickly, <laughs> and then he's immediately on board to go stake the old lady. And that just leans more into, like, why were you hiding this book, old man? <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of, like, a 1930s speed reader where he's like, yep just finished this giant tome about vampires in the space of a couple minutes and also i'm totally down to kill old ladies because that bitch had it coming i mean she's looking good for being hundreds of years old in that coffin that's true yeah they made they made coffins a lot better back then (laughs) how about by the way the burial scene i'm sorry the the POV from inside the coffin sequence, oh, like during that. I guess it. it's a it's a dream, right? It is, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah that 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 was um, like I don't know about y'all, but like, if y'all experience claustrophobia or anything, but like whenever I I see buried alive movies, like I specifically mm-hmm. think of like the Ryan Reynolds movie Buried or Kill Bill Volume Two, um, 
like I get really anxious and like I, I I find myself moving my arms around because I'm like I I I'm watching something that makes me feel so claustrophobic and so like in a tight space that I have to prove to myself and this film did that for me and that we even get like the window as we see candles being laid on the coffin like oh god mm-hmm. it is rough yeah that that generally I found to be uh, a little too upsetting. Which like uh, I don't want to imagine this. This is uh, like like the Kill Bill thing is like one thing where it's like your hand gets bloody or whatever. This is like, oh, you're trapped there forever, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, even just yeah. the use of the glass above his face, so it's not like oh I can't see. I'm I'm left to wonder what's happening. This is like. Here's a picture to your imminent demise. You can just watch everything unfold. Uh, and no one can help you. Because yeah. you can scream all you want. They ain't doing shit. They're just going to keep burying you. Yeah. Uh, at some point in my notes... You guys are uh, scaring me. So, so, so cut it out. Okay. At some point in my notes, uh, I wrote down Evil Deadshot. But I don't remember what the what shot made me think of Evil Dead exactly. There is a couple really swift camera swings, I feel like. I don't know if it's one where it's, like, you know, on on a bike, like, going through the woods, but there's a lot of camera stuff in here where I was like, oh, wow. Like, it's like they're holding a handheld camera and just whooshed it around the room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which they're obviously not doing, but... (laughs) Well, that's the thing, right? The Steadicam has not been invented yet. Like, Trace and I covered Rope on the podcast earlier this year, and that film is considered... I mean, in part because he's doing uninterrupted long takes, but I'm just thinking of how cumbersome a lot of the cameras were, you know, within the 30s and 40s, and the kind of movement that he's getting throughout this production. Like, it looks like just absolutely solid tracking shots and, like, smart Mm -hmm. whip pans and that kind of stuff. Like, it feels so contemporary. It's so bizarre, too, because Rope is 1948, so that is 16 years after that, after this movie, which doesn't sound like that long, but then it's like, okay, well, what's 16 years ago from today? You know, it's 2006. No, 2005. (laughs) (laughs) Math, yay. (laughs) Which feels like an eternity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Fuck, what was it? Um, Okay, in terms of the... Uh, like satanic uh, stuff with it, so um, maybe I wasn't paying too much attention. But it's the 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 mythos of the movie is vampires are servants of Satan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like humans like make a deal with the devil, and they can like team up with the vampires. But blah 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 blah. Uh, but yeah, basically the, the goal of the vampire is to deliver souls to Satan, and that is by biting them to l- keep their eternal life going on, and then eventually having their victims not turn into vampires themselves, but rather die and go to hell. Okay. Mm-hmm. But to do that, they have to make them commit suicide. I'm sorry, damn it, die by suicide. Yeah, that's that's really uh, complicated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that seems like, like there's two extra steps in there that don't need to happen. Just be like, no. just feed on them and let them die, and they can it's go to the hell. long con, but like vampire style. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
But I do, I I appreciate that it's not, yeah, I mean, like, uh, we've already mentioned, though, but not your typical, like, love story. I mean, again, I I know that we do have a love story with our protagonist, but it's not the vampire's love story. Although, I guess given the fact that it's partially based on a lesbian vampire tale, they couldn't have this be. (laughs) They couldn't have this be a a vampire love story, because that would not make it past the censors in 1932. Oh, yeah, this is Can you imagine uh... that May-December romance? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the the Criterion Blue, it, it, it not only comes with the original screenplay for this movie, which is kind of fascinating to like read the script for what's essentially a silent film, but it also does come with Carmilla, the novella, the, the short story this is based on. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah this is a second. You're really selling me on this Criterion. <laughs> this is a second uh, Carmilla. I, pr- I promise I'm not, I'm not a show for Criterion. I promise. <laughs> I'm just like, look, I, I bought it and I use it. I promise. <laughs> Yeah, this is the second time we've done a, a Carmilla um, uh, adaptation. We did um, Daughters of Darkness a few months ago. Yep. Oh, yes, so good. we've done Daughters of Darkness and we've done The Vampire Lovers. Um, we have yet to do Dracula's Daughter, but that will... Well, that will by this point it will be. Us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Dracula's Daughter, I mean, at least in terms of release, is closer to this one than the others. Uh, yeah, yes, think, that's a yeah. 30, late 30s. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think that's supposed to be the sequel to Dracula, or maybe there was one before that, but I'm not... It is. Uh, yeah. Oh, but Daughters of Darkness, though, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that movie. Uh, let's see, where do we go with this? Okay, so, um, one of my favorite things that you get in, like, the, uh, the inserts of the book, uh, is that, uh, when they're, they're talking about a certain a vampire, and they say, like, like Madame Chopin was a monster in human form, and it's like, man, that's a really sick burn to give someone who's dead. <laughs> but I just like that little uh, mean, mean detail there. Very much so. Uh, but like uh, this also feels like, um, it, it talks about vampirism as a disease. Which is very much like Nosferatu uh, type idea, as opposed to where Dracula vampirism is just kind of a like uh, these creatures exist and this is how they spread themselves. But it's also like this is a uh, mm-hmm. a mixture of the two existing vampire things. But uh, yeah, mm. I, just, I just like that little detail of like it's a disease because like, I I kind of lean more towards like disease vampire like idea because that's right. I don't know, like, I find it more engaging than, like, uh, if they're just creatures that exist. I mean, I think even these times that we're living in right now, I mean, it's easy to get, like, a pandemic-y vibe out of it, right? Yeah. Yep. And and it also kind of makes it scarier, because now that we're all living through a pandemic, and so... And, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the vampire tale, um, it's really easy to get a virus... I mean, some do actually do a virus... uh, kind of filter through it but this one especially so right because uh yeah Le- leone is just sick um but yeah I, that's something that kind of resonated me with me more n- now than if i had watched this movie 10 years ago just because of everything going on in the world today yeah and uh like this is the movie that like i fight there are things to talk about but at the same time it's just so purely visual that uh Mm-hmm. Like this is an element right, of it like, where it's like you it, you have to watch it to like really like like 
uh, like uh, it's a movie you you feel more than you like. Um, do, do, do you know what I'm trying to say? No, yeah, it, it, it's an experience. It's a feeling. It's a mood, as opposed to like something that we can properly convey via a conversation almost (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah like one of the strategies that trace and i sometimes have is if we haven't seen a film and we're okay with spoiling it for ourselves we may open up the wikipedia page or some kind of plot synopsis and just sort of follow along to make sure we don't miss anything and i tried to do that with this film while not paying super close attention and i got lost about a dozen times and was like (laughs) nope you need to actually watch this movie because fully like 75 percent of it is in the visuals the plot is fairly straightforward but it's also not the most important part of the movie yep yeah and uh, it's just like it's like it's not scary per se but like it they're like the, the the coffin sequence is genuinely like stressful if you're claustrophobic slash like you know a human who's like well a human who will die one day and it's like well that could be me yeah <laughs> uh, for a lot of re- and and then there's and it's also like just like i i want to know how he did the shadow stuff i want to know this how this was made like i wish i could go back in time and just watch the production and learn all the secrets yep i totally get that unfortunately time travel has not been made available to the public yet yeah so yeah because like we'll just have to use our imaginations <laughs> yeah because like uh you know this is the era when like you had to well, not not quite it is a little past that but like there, there's a time where like you had to be a magician to be able to do these like visual on-camera tricks so like it so like drill you're saying For movie sure. magic it's like it really was movie magic because you had to be trained in uh as a magician to actually know what to do I think or just being willing to experiment like I love the idea that part of the reason the film looks so dreamy is because they accidentally fucked up a shot and then they liked the way that it looks so much that they said okay well let's just film through a cheesecloth for the rest (laughs) of the production (laughs) when I saw that factoid I was like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) but that's awesome right I mean, sometimes the the greatest things happen by accident on these sets. And it's like, that's how you push the medium forward is you have to be willing to say, oh, I like that. Or "Mm, that's not quite working for me. Let's try something different or new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh... And that's where innovation comes from. Exactly. So I would highly, highly recommend. uh, I, I won't say I love this movie. I really like it. But like it kind of has to be seen and experienced and like it's you know it's it's almost 90 years old and this is just one of those things where it's like it, uh, if you want us to know like like why practical effects matter this is a great example of like what how like how it ages better as opposed to like when you watch certain hollywood movies from the 90s and it's like well this looks like look like garbage and this movie is like almost (laughs) 90 years old and it's like and this still looks incredible Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, and I still think at the end of the day, I mean, it's important. If, if you've never seen this movie or if you're curious to watch it, like, it's important to just put yourself in a 1932 mindset. Even though none of us were alive in 1932, but, like, to try to do that and, like, look. I mean, and also do the research, right? Like, go look and see why is this film as beloved as it is. If you walk in going, oh, I've heard it's one of the, like, the best scary movies ever, and you're going to walk out and be like, well, that wasn't very scary. Um <laughs> Go look at why this is an important film, you know? I mean, we've covered some of the bases here already, but please go do the research. Yeah, and, uh, oh, Trace, you always bring up, Tra- uh, not Trace McGuire, Liz McGuire. Is there uh, a Liz oh McGuire connection oh, to this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if this was set in Rome, I would say yes, but unfortunately it is not. So <laughs> I don't know if I can pull a Liz McGuire connection into this. Um, okay. Although I guess if we're talking about uh, the uh, the dream sequence, then that's where we get the "Hey now, hey now, this is what dreams are made of." There you go. That's it. Okay. Good. Any dream sequence? Yeah, because uh, I I should say yeah, it um, seems like a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Joe. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I do want to say that one of my favorite things on your guys' episodes is whenever. Uh, either a Disney Channel original movie comes up or Lisa McGuire because I'm a couple years younger than you Trace so I grew up watching those movies in Lisa McGuire so I appreciate when you bring it up that is so thank you so much for that because Joe is a little just a couple years older than me so he like it's weird it's it's not that much of an age gap but it's enough of an age gap where he didn't grow up with any of those things. <laughs> so well, when I, I mentioned like Disney, when I mentioned like, oh, like the 13th year in Smart House, he's like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I also didn't watch television as a child. So I'm missing most yeah. of like the 80s and 90s in terms of pop culture relevancy. I've had to go back and learn it all vicariously through fucking Lizzie McGuire songs and such. Hey, but you know what, though? He has yet to watch the Lizzie McGuire movie, and one day it's mm. gonna happen. We'll cover it. <laughs> Put that shit on Blood Disgusting. Yeah, Joel, you're, you're, you're 10 years old than me, so you shouldn't have been watching any of that stuff when it was, uh, it was, when it was on. <laughs> I, I didn't watch any, yeah. Like, it, when I... It, at some certain age, I, I just stopped watching Disney Channel. Although I always watch cartoons, so but. did did y'all ever watch? Um, so it, it wasn't like the Disney Channel original movies, but it was ABC's Wonderful World of Disney that was every Saturday night, and they would have like like the the, the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch movie, like before the show existed, was like oh. on there with Melissa Joan Hart. They had like a movie with Kirstie Alley where she was the tooth fairy called Toothless. Oh, those were so fun. <laughs> That was like like weekly Saturday night viewing for my family. Like we we ha- we ate dinner and we gathered around the TV and we watched ABC's Wonderful World of Disney. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have vague memories of that. Me, me uh, and my sister we... would watch uh, that stuff all the time until she got too old and <laughs> didn't want to hang out with her younger brother. Uh, How old yes. are you, Spencer? Uh, I just turned thirty. My sister is uh, three years old. Oh yeah, yeah. We are. Yeah, we're close in age. Yeah, because I I am thirty two, so I'm I'm closer to your sister, but we're still in that same area. Yeah, you're probably a nicer person as a teenager than she was. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, ow. 
So she's uh, not a regular sure. listener of the podcast, is what you're saying. Uh, no, no. no, definitely. Uh, she would agree <laughs> if she heard that. <laughs> that's, that's why I don't talk any smack about my mother, because I know she listens to this one, none of the other ones I do. Oh, see, I've said ta- <laughs> I, I've divulged far too many details about my sex life on the podcast, so my mother um. will, uh, does not listen to our show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, God bless her. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I just wanted to say uh, uh, that Buffy or not Sabrina, Buffy, um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch TV movie. Uh, mm-hmm. We did an episode of that on the science fiction uh, fantasy podcast I used to do. Please what? don't send me outer space, <laughs> and uh, that was a that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, because well, it's funny because the ants aren't the same as the ones that are in the TV show, but like it's still yeah. Melissa Joan Hart. So I remember like I had seen the TV show, like you know, however many seasons that was, and then I finally saw the movie and I was like, oh, this is who the hell are these bitches? Not the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, they get a, they get a much uh, cheaper cat. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No. I don't know. I love Sam just a shadow that. puppet, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and he's not in the. F- I mean, he is in the movie, but he doesn't talk in the movie. Damn. Yeah. What? Uh, I want to watch that. Though. Yeah. But because yeah, they. they made, I think the movie came first, and they did the show afterwards. But then they were like, "Oh, we got to make this like fun." Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're gonna make this something people will enjoy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I feel like we're done talking about vampire. Just go watch it. Even if, you, even if you don't think you like stuff yeah. like that, uh, force yourself to try something new. It's at least you'll think it's pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> I see. So I'll start with the guest, Joe and Trace. What do you have to recommend from 1932? Um, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna recommend James Whales' The Old Dark House. This is a film he made in between. Um, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, and it is a a very surprisingly queer movie from 1932. That's just a bunch of bunch of people in a castle having a grand old dinner party. <laughs> well, they get trapped in a castle during a rainy night. I mean, I was trying to avoid the spoilers, but yes, the the rich fancy people are traveling on a mountain and they get stuck in a castle in the rain. Um, and the castle is owned by a bunch of um. Well, I mean, they wouldn't say it in the movie, but they're definitely a bunch of queer people. Yeah. And um, <laughs> mayhem ensues. And it's it's a horror movie, but there's also, like, comedic elements to it. Like, but I wouldn't, not, not as far as where I would call it a horror comedy. But if you are, like, a big fan of, like, you know, those Universal Monster movies and you've seen Frankenstein, The Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein, like, it's the same director, like, go check out The Old Dark House because it's, it's a kooky little watch. I would definitely co-sign that Um, and just in keeping with the the queerness and the queer vein I'm just going to mention the fact that one of the actresses in Vampire was actually a bisexual Mm. so Sabille Schmitz who plays Leone uh, that's the the infected sister who spends most of the movie in the bed yeah Um, (laughs) she apparently had a not great life but she was a relatively like publicly out bisexual she had relationships with men and women and when she died she was apparently living with a woman so uh, she was maybe also a nazi sympathizer but uh that's a story for another day so cool 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 it was germany it was germany yeah 
Uh, and from my film, now that I've like fucking thrown that bomb into this conversation, <laughs> the, um, the film from 1932 that I would recommend is Todd Browning's classic Freaks, which is absolutely fantastic. It's about uh, a woman who disses a carnival of you know, titular freaks. And the film was populated by actual circus performers. So like all the characters that you see in the film are real performers in the circus. So the disabilities on display are real. And it's kind of like an early example of like authentic casting and letting these performers shine and do what they do best on screen. And part of the discussion that you would have now is like whether or not the freaks in question are... Like, what is the film's commentary? Because really, at the end of the day, it's the able-bodied person who is really the freak and the villain of the show. But it also generated a lot of hysteria and concern from moviegoers by being like, ooh, this film is dirty and naughty because it's showing freaks. Like, that's... I don't know. It's an interesting interplay. Existing. Basically. Like, it, it, it sold itself by saying, ooh, come and look at these people. Um, right. But really, the film when you watch it you're like oh these are not the villains of the piece it's like that blonde bitch over there who's able-bodied but it's a great 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 movie and the ending is legitimately scary oh god damn it okay <laughs> i haven't seen it so i'm like oh no, i want to watch it mm-hmm. oh i think <laughs> you'd really like it trace i go see what it's on because i was like i was trying to look up where vampire was uh, was streaming and it's on hbo max of all places of course it is fucking hbo max <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody talks about Netflix. We gotta be worried about HBO Max. They're gonna gobble up everything. Freaks is also on HBO Max. There you go. <laughs> That's the because they have stuff from TCM, which mm-hmm. also crosses over uh, the Criterion Channel. That's yeah. why. There you go. Hmm. All right. Uh, for me, it's the Ozu film. Uh, which one was it? I was born, but uh, ellipses, and it's uh, basically the precursor to Good Morning. Good Morning is the Ozu movie with the uh, kids who like to fart, and um, it's this is uh, still in a silent a silent era, because he was very very slow to make sound films. It took him till like the late 30s to finally do that. But uh, I was born, but is really good. It's really funny. It's if you're into Ozu and only know the 50s era era stuff, then this is probably of the silent stuff. Uh, I'd recommend this is probably like one of the best, if not the best, of his silent films. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's a good, uh, 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 fun Ozu as opposed to like his more serious, not serious-minded, uh, but uh, the, the, uh, his his less light movies. But uh, yeah, so uh, that that movie. Is that like a sequel to I Flunked, but... He had a whole series of the silent films of I Was Blank, but... I, yeah, it's a... I don't remember much about the uh, I Flunked. I know we watched it for... The first season. Previous season. Yeah. Previous, previous season. Yeah, it was, I remember liking it, but it wasn't the best. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, me? I... I've only seen one other 1932 movie. <laughs> uh, so, oh, you guys didn't actually. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, so, 
It's it's called Chandu Chandu the Magician, hmm. and um, stars Bela Lugosi um, playing an Indian man. So uh-huh. you know, yeah. Uh, but it's it's a pretty fun adventure movie. Um, I imagine it's similar to what the serials were previously, except uh, you know, cut down to a movie length. And I know it has like a direct sequel that Bela Lugosi is not in, but is the Chandu is the still the main character. Some other actor plays him, um, and I remember having fun with it. Um, I got it in like a three pack of uh fox classic horrors volume two i think that was with dragon wick and um some really offensive movie about uh shaving an ape and trying to teach him to be a man uh that i can't remember the name of so (laughs) i recommend chandu out of all those wacky movies i'm talking about (laughs) chandu the magician is what it's called okay and uh this will come out for the uh, yeah, I saw already the Halloween episode, and uh, there might be another one or might not. Uh, you have to uh, pay attention and listen f- and see if I actually uh, go ahead and do that or not. But uh, okay, so uh, Trace Joe, what's coming out uh, uh, horror queers wise around October Halloween time? <laughs> Let me pull up that schedule. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, give me one sec. Yeah. I mean, we we at least have the main feed set in stone, right, Joe? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, we try to get a little uh, festive in October because it, you know, it is a horror month. So, um, I, I, oh, shit, we've got a pretty interesting lineup. We've got a uh, – so we'll be uh, discussing films like Joyride, the 2000 film with Paul Walker and Steve Zahn. Yeah. Uh, Halloween, the 2018 film to time with, well, hopefully the release of Halloween Kills. Uh, you know, finger crossed, nothing happens between now and then. Mm-hmm. And we'll be discussing Blade, the 1998 vampire movie with oh. Wesley Snipes. And for our Halloween pick, we'll be doing Clue. Clue? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been oh, doing yeah. a run on, like, parodies and comedies this year, and, uh, yeah, we we both just really fucking love Clue, so we thought it'd be a fun kind of Halloween nod. Oh, for sure. And also, it's like I was like, what, what have our Halloween movies been? Our first year, our Halloween movie was the remake of House of Haunted Hill, and last year it was Hocus Pocus. Yeah. So I think Clue is a good a good <laughs> fit with Hocus Pocus. At least. I, I love Hocus Pocus. That was the movie oh. me and my sister watched all the time when we were little. And the three witches are basically drag queens, so we got a good queer reading out of it. But yes, I also watched that constantly <laughs> growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we taped it off of Disney or HBO or something, and man, we wore our tape out. I don't think it still works anymore. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, you know, they, they, uh, Best Buy released a limited edition steelbook, and the steelbook looks like the spellbook, like with the eye and everything. So I was That's like, cool. snatch that shit up. Yeah. Uh, all right, J Dog, are you gonna? Oh be... yeah, but oh. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> are you guys gonna be on Kill by Kill or like any other shows, guesting wise, or not really? Uh, maybe uh, it's a bit too early for us to know what might happen in October. 
Yeah, I, which is why I'm glad that y'all got us early, because basically for us, what we find is we get a lot of guest requests um, for the month of October, because it's Halloween, and for the month of June, because it's Pride. And so mm. we basically kind of field our options for those months and be like, okay, what do we have time for? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, uh, okay, uh, Joel, anything for you? Are going to be on anything? Listen, I'm I'm stirring up like a a podcast idea in my head. That's that's it, hopefully it'll materialize into something firm. But yeah, if you listen to any of the past episodes, I must have announced sixteen different podcasts that I started and then didn't follow through on, or you know episodes fell, or blah blah blah, or or I went through deep depression and erased it on accident. You know that kind of thing. So, but I'm I'm cooking up something. I don't know if it'll be out by this time in October. Mm. Okay. And, uh, what am I going to be on? Uh, I, I'm not even sure. I, I might have an episode or, or something coming out around this time or, or not. Uh, it all kind of depends on when the people want to release the episode. Oh, fuck. I just remembered. I'm going to do the movies from hell, the John Waters series, uh, John Waters every decade. <laughs> Oh, so nice. Be, yeah, Stephanie Crawford will be on it because uh, she's going to be the perennial guest for every episode. I get the 70s because <laughs> I want the really gross ones. I was going <laughs> to. I, I just, like, I, I had only seen Serial Mom and A Dirty Shame before. And this year, like, during the pandemic, I went back and watched all of Waters' films for the first time. And oh boy, those 70s films. <laughs> Yeah, I really want to talk about the rosary job and some other <laughs> gross shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the gaping butthole. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll never think of the 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 stations of the cross the same way again. Yeah, yeah. yeah they call them the popa trash for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So there's that, and uh, I don't know. Uh, go to Twitter feed. You'll if it's something you know. I'll, I'll mention yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, if you follow, uh, what what is it? Play, piano player pod. Uh, yes, I think so. It's, yeah, it's in the show Twitter. Notes. Yeah. So uh, Spencer shows yeah. all kinds of upsetting things. I mean, uh, you know, whatever we're doing. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, yeah, uh, Trace Joe, thank you for uh, coming on. Do you guys have an open invitation if you want to want everyone to return? Talk yes, about. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it was it was definitely fun to get in to come and talk about this and cross out one of these like again like seminal horror films off of our list. I'm just like I'm glad we all got to well three of us got to experience it for the first time together. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm glad that that uh, Criterion money spent was well spent. Yeah, there you go. It's a big ass case too. What comes with a book? I know <laughs> a book and a script. <laughs> yep, that's cool. All right. Oh, I don't know what episodes are coming out around this uh, around this time either. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know. It, it, uh, closer episodes recorded closer October will I will actually know. So mm -hmm. episodes will come out around this time. I as of now, I'm not really sure what they will be. Follow the Twitter. Yeah, just follow Twitter, and you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, J-Dog shut it down. Shutting down.
The show can be found on Twitter at PianoPlayerPod. Our email is still HighLowPod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, SarahKathleenRoberts.com, and thank you for listening.